While I've been away from preaching, I've been working on my PowerPoint script. <laughs> Y'all about to be blown away. Um, well, um, I do want to share this morning on, on growing a culture of prayer. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would help us, that you would teach us about this, that you would give us uh, grace and enjoyment in prayer. You said that there would be joy in your house of prayer. And I just pray for that Holy Spirit that you would impart joy as we as we learn about prayer, that we would break off any kind of religious ways of thinking about it, God, that make it burdensome. You said the commandments of God are not burdensome. So we ask that you break off any burdens, God, that any sense of uh, we gotta do this um, to please you, and Lord, you came after us when we were your enemies. So, Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for the privilege of being able to be one with you. Just teach us your ways. Pray us and do this thing. So, I want to pray uh, or talk about growing a culture of prayer. And I say growing a culture of prayer because we already have it. Everybody has a culture of prayer, right? And I feel like they're waking and we, we do have a pretty good culture of prayer. But if you, you know, you may have a non-existent culture of prayer, you may have a very strong culture of prayer, but I want to I talk about going and you want that you advance my slide. And so the first thing is, is, is what is exactly prayer? And very simply, prayer is just communicating with God. So communication involves talking, involves listening. So, you know, whether your communication with God is on your knees with your hands folded or you're in the car or you're in the backyard screaming at God or on the beach, you know, one thing, it happens, you know, I have, <laughs> raise your hand if you've screamed at God before. It's, you know, so it's like, he gets it. We've let our kids scream at us. We're like, Jessica and I have come together and we're like, we just need to let them yell at us for like five minutes. <laughs> Seriously. And it's like, they need to get it out. Just let them yell. And so we've done that and it's been helpful for them. And so the Lord is very kind and gracious and understanding and he knows that we have limited understandings. And that's, that's one of the things I love about the Lord is that he, under, he understands us. Like better than we even do. He understands like a Travis just needed to get that out. He's not thre easily threatened. You know, he knows like he's very confident in who he is. <laughs> so he's not threatened by a rant or anything like that. The main thing God wants from us is to be honest with him. And y'all heard me say that over and over, and it just goes to repeat. It's like one of those things that we have to get in us is that the parable of the store, what was the good good soil. It was a good, honest heart. So the honest heart is the place that God sees his work of germinate. Because if, when you're honest with him, he can work with that. But if you're trying to put on like pretenses and act like you've got everything together, you always, like we talked about last week, sometimes we try to get everything, all the answers, like if we're uh, being, you know, confronted with something in our heart, we try to figure it out, figure it out, and then we bring it to the Lord instead of like, God, I don't understand what is happening in my heart. What do you want me to know? 
letting him in on the, on the problem solving. And so we, we want to increase our communion with God. And so when you think about the word communion, it, can, it means common union, right? A common union, a mutual understanding, a mutual shared thoughts and feelings. That's what communion is. So the things that the Lord rejoices in, we want to rejoice in those things. The things that grieve the Lord, we want those things to grieve us because we want to, if we're truly united with Him, then that's how we'll feel. And Jesus expressed that. You know, He, he, he delighted when the centurion told him, just, you don't even have to come to my house to say the word. You've got authority and you're going to heal my servant. Jesus was amazed. He said, He was like, I have not found faith like this in all of Israel. And then when Jesus, by the orders of the Father, waited to raise Lazarus from the dead, said that he wept. He knew that Lazarus' family was in pain. And so Jesus felt that. He understood. And even felt, and Jesus was one with who? The Father. So even the one who gave the orders was grieving. <laughs> So it's all about really connecting with and understanding the Lord's heart is, um, is really what communion is, and that's the, that's the goal of prayer. Okay, so. so Oswald Chambers, one of our favorites in the gay house, he's got this quote on prayer that prayer is not getting things from God. That is the initial stage. But prayer is getting into perfect communion with God. I tell him what I know he knows in order that I may get to know it as he does. I'll read that again. Prayer is not getting things from God. That is the initial stage. Prayer is getting into perfect communion with God. I tell him what he knows in order that I may get to know it as he does. So what does he already know? Everything. So when we're talking about it, when we're talking to him and we're sharing our heart with him, he already knows every single thing that's in our, our heart. So the good, bad, and the ugly, he wants us to share it with him. And then it gives him permission to speak into that. But sometimes, you know, we just we just have shame that can get in the way or uh, darkness. We don't want to reveal everything, even though he sees it all. So that's what keeps us from, it's the Adam and Eve problem, right? We're hiding. He, asks, he knows we're, we're hiding. But he asks the question to invite us in the relationship. Where are you? Even though he knows the answer. And so we want to get his perspective, his counsel on things. Just like when we went through the uh, knowing we discovered, what's, what's the question the windships always ask God? God, what do you want me to know about this? It involves your heart. Like, what do you want me to know about my heart right now? What do you want? Why? You, if you experience fear, say, God, why am I afraid right now? When you even invite God into those negative feelings, He can use the negative feelings for good. Why am I anxious? Lord, show me. And then He'll, he'll speak into it and give you exactly what you need to hear. Talk to yourself. John 15. Verses 7 through 7. Uh, <laughs> I know, 
I told you I was going to amaze you all with my PowerPoints. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So if, if you, he's saying, if my words abide in you. So that's not only knowing what he's already said, right, the Bible. It's also knowing what he is saying into your moment. So like, um, how, does, how do we know what school to go to? How do we know what spouse? You know, there's not a chapter and verse for those things. How do we know where he wants to speak into a certain area of our life in that moment? And he may give you a scripture. Um, but we, by his words abiding in us is inviting his counsel into our life. That's really what most of prayer is, is, is listening and asking God questions and listening to what he has to say. When Solomon, when God granted Solomon the one request, what was Solomon's request? It says wisdom in some translations, but other tr translations say a listening heart. God gave me a listening heart. And that's what distinguished Solomon from every other king in the earth. Because he wasn't speaking man's wisdom, he was speaking God's wisdom. So a few tenets of growing a culture of prayer. This is a, a 3D image, just for y'all to know that. Alright, next, next slide. So number one, when we are trying to grow a culture of prayer, what we want to do is ingrain it or implement it in everything that we do. And there's very practical ways that we do that. And so, and I'm going to get to some of the practical ways, but the first thing is that prayer begins and ends with God. Prayer begins with God and ends with God. And so, what I mean by that is we're coming to him, we're asking him the questions. He's giving us the, the answers. He's telling us how to pray. We're coming to, we come, we approach prayer not knowing anything, right? <laughs> Lord, you are the Lord, and I'm here to receive from you. And so, it can be like when we get together in our, in our meetings, where, you know, whether it's like call to war or other gatherings that we have Sunday mornings that we start with prayer, we end with prayer, we, we have prayer in the middle, but we be in, we're intentional with prayer. You, you plan on praying. And so I know Mike Bickle is big on like just putting in your calendar and that uh, works for a lot of people. Some people schedule, scheduling things is, is not in there. That's, that's not what they like to do. You know, it feels confining and not as free. And so whatever it is, you don't have to have a rigid schedule, but just plan, be purposeful in your prayer. Um, but we, we, we try to build prayer into our lives until it becomes like breathing or like having a heartbeat to where you're not really thinking about it anymore. And so uh, a guy that I've been listening to a lot of his teachings lately, he's a church planner, and uh, his name's David Watson. But he, he had to have open heart surgery a few years ago. 
And when he was recovering from the surgery, he said his heart, heart he could hear his heartbeat like super loud, you know. It was almost you know, like the telltale heart. It was just like, and it was so loud. And he was, he had just had heart surgery, so it was making him nervous. And he told the doctor, he's like, I can, like, I can't stop hearing my heartbeat. And it's like it's amplified in my ears. And the doctor said, don't worry, after a couple of days, your brain, he says, what, what's happening is your heart has a new rhythm now. And your brain's going to adapt to that rhythm and tune it out once it's learned a new rhythm. So you won't hear it anymore. And so the point of that analogy is, is that sometimes when we're building new habits into our life, it can be like, this is really intrusive. <laughs> or maybe this is, out, this is uncomfortable for me or it doesn't feel natural. But when you start building it in, it's like you... It becomes natural once you get used to it, once you adapt to it. And it's just like with any other habit that's, that we're trying to build in. But prayer can be like that. So we implement it until it becomes undistinguishable from just regular life. It becomes a part of your life. So we, one of the things, we're not necessarily trying to build completely new structures in the sense of lots of more, a lot more prayer meetings. We want to implement into a lot of so I'll, I'll get to, to more of that in a minute. All right, so. Number two, I put this on a billboard because this is what we have to remember so much is, you know, and I'm talking to myself, is talk to God like a friend. You know, I think about my friends that I, I grew up with in high school, in college, and there was nothing that we held back from saying to each other. I can't remember, you know, we like gave each other hard times. I mean, we just spoke our minds to each other, and we still do to this day. And that's what friendship is like. It's just like, speak your mind to your friend. And Jesus has said, he said, like, you are my friends. And so he's given us the invitation. And it doesn't mean that, um, you know, we don't approach it from this aspect of we know better than the Lord, but we approach it from, he says to approach the throne of grace with boldness, not with trepidation, not with fear, but approach it with boldness. Come before, because like I said earlier, he already knows everything that's in our hearts. So talk with God like a friend. And part of, being able to approach God like a friend is understanding who God is. And so Luke 18, I'm just going to read this. This is 18 verses 1 through 8. You can turn there if you want. I don't have it up on the, in a slide. Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8. So Jesus is telling a parable about prayer to the disciples. And he's telling them, he says, that they would, he's telling them this, this parable so that they wouldn't lose heart in prayer. That's the purpose. And so in verse 2 it says, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. 
For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So, the two characters in, in this parable, the judge and the woman, he's painting a picture of the exact opposite of who he is and who we are. So he is a very willing father and, and he is a judge. But he's very willing. He's not uh, put out. He's, you know, it's, and, and we're, and it talks about a widow. And we're, we're not a widow, we're a bride. So if a widow can get something out of an unrighteous judge, what can a bride get out of a loving husband? That's the juxtaposition that he's creating. And, and so he wants us to know that he's willing. He wants to come to it. He, he wants to answer our prayers. He wants to be in union with us. But to come boldly before him. I know from my experience that wives come boldly before their husbands. And so, and I think most wives do. I don't think, and that's and that's something that God wants us to, for us as the body of Christ to approach Him in that way. I've actually, I mean, this is another thing. Just a lot of I've encountered so many people when I've actually talked to them about prayer. They actually say, "I don't want to bother God," and that's a very distorted view of God is. He's not very powerful, is he? It's like, <laughs> you can bother him or he's busy or he doesn't have margin for your prayers. It's a very small God. And so, when people say that, I just, I'll tell them that. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, he has unlimited ability to hear prayer, answer prayer. He's God. He's not us. And, um, and then, you know, it's just, you're just trying to get through the religious mindsets of that. All right, just our next slide. So we do want to build organic structures and systems that are already, that we can implement into our daily life. That's not an extra meeting necessarily. Now, when I talk about, um, it's good to have prayer meetings. It's good to have things where we're like, hey, next Sunday we're all coming together, we're going to pray, like, let's keep doing that. But what undergirds that and what is able to make those things actually uh, have momentum is a daily life of prayer, something where it's not like, oh, okay, we're at the prayer meeting on Sunday, and we'll muster up willpower and we'll go to the prayer meeting because it's important to God. I mean, that's, for being honest, a lot of that is how it feels when people talk about prayer meetings. So why prayer meetings, you know, typically in churches, it's like the least attended event. It's because it feels like work. 
feels like work, and that's not what God wants for us. And so we we want to mobilize instead of encourage prayer. So if I'm standing before you, it's like, God, we need guys, we need to pray more. Like God tells us to pray. God tells us to like come boldly before him. Let's let's do it. Alright, let's go. Do it. And then you come. Okay, I'll try harder when I get home. You know, that's that's kind of left what you're thinking with, but you want to mobilize it in the sense of let's implement it. And so we move from prayer events to a prayer culture. Every revival has been preceded by either a small group of people or a group of people who have had a prayer prayer culture. So the Welsh, excuse me, the Hebrides revival was started or catalyzed by a couple of old women who had a culture of prayer. They had been praying for years. One of them was blind, the other one was uh, immobile. But they could pray. And they prayed together three or four hours a day. And they would pray for, for God to come down. They prayed for the heavenlies islands. And God came. And then, but what started out of that was there was a group of men that started praying together in the barn. So their prayers started affecting the hearts of other people. So then you had a small group, two groups that were praying for revival and God answered their prayers. But it was a culture of prayer and it was preceded. That wasn't like a just one-time prayer event. It was a culture of prayer that these people had. So changing the culture the way you change culture is, is by changing daily habits. That's what culture is. It's something that you do every day. And so how do you change daily habits? How do you make a, create movement in daily habits? So I want to talk about uh, what's called the pr- a prayer calendar. And today, I just want to kind of wet your appetite. I'm not trying to, like, have us move forward with this today. But I, I do want to talk about this is this is one of the ways you implement it into your daily life. And so I've been doing this for the past uh, month or so. And what it is is you basically, every, so there's options. I don't want to overwhelm you out of the gate, but you can pick one person for every day of the month, so 30 people. And it can be any number, like it, maybe it's three people that you pray for once a week. Anyways, but for what I've been doing is I've been getting one person for every day of the month for, for, to 30 people. And I'll text them, hey, can I pray for you? And they all got back and said, yes, you can pray for me. And I said, how can I pray for you? They give me a short list. And I send them a voice message that they can listen to at their convenience. So it's not even like a phone call that we've got to try to coordinate. They can listen to it. I can send it whenever, when I can send it. They can listen to it when they can listen to it. But the point is, it's not just like, hey, pray for my family, pray for my job. I'm like praying for you. And we do the... You know, the prayer hands, and we and that's it. But it, it really takes it to a different level when you're actually 
either typing the prayer out or they're listening to the prayer that you're praying for them. It creates connection, but it, it's it's also, I don't know how to explain it. It just takes it to the next level. And so as I've been doing it, and it only has taken me like five to 10 minutes out of my day. So it's been this non-intrusive thing, right? I'm not going to another prayer meeting. I'm not doing anything different in my daily rhythm. And what I'm, and eventually what we're going to, I'm going to have the people that I'm, I'm praying with is like, hey, let's pray for God to send laborers into the harvest. Because the harvest is right, but the laborers are few, right? So if we, we want to see revival, we want to see cities say, we simply say, God, raise up harvesters. And that's going to be something that we consistently pray for. God make disciples, God send laborers into the harvest. And it's five to ten minutes in your day. And so then whoever wants to take it and run with that. So anybody that I'm praying for, I invite them to say, hey, ask God for a number of people to, to pray for. And then ask them how often that you need to pray for. So say it's three people and you pray for them once a week. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday every week that you're praying for these people five to ten minutes out of your day and it's in a text message so it's not like a, another meeting that you have to coordinate and so that's that's the prayer calendar thing and so what happens is just after we go to the next uh, call you uh, Jew for Josiah I believe um, so here's some Hypothetical situations that can happen. Say, say you pray for three people. Those three people pray for three people, and it goes to five generations. You end up activating 243 people in prayer. That's just three people, even like a month. If, if, even if you just did that in one month, you pray for five people, and they pray for five, and it goes five generations. You end up having. 3,125 people who are getting prayed for and are praying for the harvest. Then you do, if you're doing 30, and probably not everybody, every single 30, all 30 people are going to do it. But hypothetically, if every, all 30 people are creating multiple generations up to five generations, you have 243 million people praying for the harvest. Start and all you're doing is praying for 30. So that's the power of multiplying instead of trying to attract people to prayer meetings. And it's the and it's basically a discipleship model as well. And so you you have that and just I get to the next one. And so you have uh Here's a scripture about Epaphras who Paul is telling the Colossians that he's wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand mature, fully assured in everything God wills. All right, next one, Jimmy. And so we have, like I said, these changes in culture. It's a daily practice, but we're doing it in community. So I've got a community of guys that I'm praying with in this prayer calendar. I also have a community of guys I have a part of a 
uh, it's called a Coney Father's Prayer Walk. Every Tuesday morning at 5.30, we walk around, we prayer walk at different school in the Kearney County school system. So I've got a network of guys in there that we're, that we're praying with, and, and we have times where we share testimonies as well. Because celebrating is a big part of your culture. What are, what are we celebrating? Are we, are we celebrating answered prayers? Not saying the weekend we've done that, where we've celebrated, we've had testimonies, and we celebrate those things that God has done. But even in our, on a micro level, are we celebrating with our friends, you know, when, when God does something, when he answers a prayer? And I'd say most, most of everybody's doing that here. Next slide. So attractional versus multiplying. Kind of going back to that, those numbers that I gave. So if we try to attract people to prayer meetings, like I said, it can be, there's lots of barriers that come with that. You have time barrier, you have people barrier, you have location barrier. All right? So there's lots of barriers that people have to overcome. And that's, we want everybody to get activated in this, so we, try, we want to try to eliminate barriers. No one wants to come to a prayer meeting uh, that's considered a failure. It's not a failure. First of all, any prayer meeting is not a failure. But if you've invited 500 people and 10 people show up, you, the, whoever has trying to leave the meeting can feel discouraged. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, and I just want to be clear, no prayer meeting is a failure. But you have to fight that, that feeling. We don't want one big event, we want lots of little prayer meetings. So, you know, out before church, we, we pray. Sometimes we, get, we pray 30 minutes, sometimes it's, it's 10 minutes, depending on what's going on. Um, you know, in any worship team, pray together. Kids' church, they can pray together for 30 seconds, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be this long, like, very sophisticated thing. We don't want prayer to feel like it's tethered to one location or organization, and we want the smaller groups of people in there to pray. And so praying with your friends, praying with family. Who are people in your life that you can already pray with? Who are people that are already in your daily rhythm of life that, that you can pray with? That's, who, that's how you need to think about this. And so it's making it as, like, as non-intrusive as possible but still getting people activated. And what I found, I was sharing with, uh, we got to hang out with Jeremy and Amanda yesterday and Elliot and the Bates. But uh, what I found is since I've been doing this, it's a lot more natural to, to pray for, for things that maybe I normally would have thought about that didn't, didn't necessarily even bring it before the Lord. And so, uh, there's uh, the varsity basketball coach here coming and stepped down to, to be with us, spend more time with his family. This has an impact on Lydia because she plays basketball. And in the past, I probably would have thought, I like, really hope they get somebody on the coach's name in there. You know, it's, but instead of praying, like, God, bring somebody who's not only going to, like, bring a mentor, like, he's going to point them to Jesus. 
bring somebody that's going to make, they're going to learn things about basketball, but they're going to learn more things about life. You know, all the, but it was a lot more natural because what I've been doing every day, just praying for sending a voice message, it's been grooving this habit into my life. It's made it much more, and I've been, I, I can't tell you, probably on, I don't know, more than both my hands, I've said either to myself or to the Lord, like, Lord, I'm not an intercessor. And then one day, probably after like the 20th time I told him that, he said, what do you mean by that? I'm an intercessor. And then when he said that, I knew he was like, I live inside of you. You're an intercessor. says that Jesus lives to make intercession for us. The Holy Spirit is making intercession. Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I'm talking to a room full of intercessors. Whether you believe it or not, you have the intercessor living within you. It's the life of a Christian. And, and I think it's because we've thought about the grannies who are praying down fire in the prayer room at the church. Location. Certain people. Certain time, right? Instead of like being in our daily lives, praying down fire. In our car, praying down fire. Joining my friend in a voice message and praying down fire. And so it's just getting rid of the barriers that we've, we put up, the way we've just kind of defined how prayer meetings should look like. <laughs> and uh, so, do you have anything you want to add to that? I don't know, pretty much done before. I don't have this prayer Yeah, I just have one quick thing. So I get the like precursor to the sermons, you know, since I get to live with Travis. So he's been talking about prayer a good bit. And so, um, so one thing that I've done is I had two things that I felt like I wanted to share. One, I'm going to go through the scripture. So in the same chapter of Luke, verse, um, it's Luke 18, but go down to verse 27. It says, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. So first, we have to believe that. Like, we have to believe that Things that feel impossible are possible with God. So I love this chapter about teaching us how to pray. But I, I think that's key. And knowing that our prayers are powerful. Like when we go to the throne, like it's powerful. And it's powerful to pray, to have multiple people pray. There's a reason that when there's a crisis happening, we're like, will everyone pray for this? Like it's powerful to come together in unity and pray. And so one thing that I've done is, because I will often hear somebody tell me something and I'll think, or I'll say, I'll pray for you. Right? I do that, like, I do it often. And I'll say, oh, wow, that's hard. I'll pray for you. So what I've started doing is saying, can I pray for you? Meaning like right now. So at work, we have a girl who is going to a doctor's appointment. She was really nervous. And I just said, hey, can I pray for you before you go? 
So I'm like right there in the office, and I just like, can I touch your shoulder? Sure. Touch your shoulder, pray for her right there. And so the more I do this, like the easier it is. And then, so of course, she's like at work. It's, it's like a little bit different. Yesterday, Travis said we were with some friends, and um, and one of the kids started having a, he, he threw up. And so instead of being like, oh, Joseph, I'll pray for them when y'all leave. I mean, I'm with my family, so I just started praying for him, you know, and everybody else just joined in praying, and we prayed for him, and he went home, you know, and so, anyway, that being said, it's like, in certain situations, you need to ask, but in other situations, like, it should be very natural for us to pray with each other, right? Like, we're family, and with our kids, you know, it's very normal to come home, and they, like, pour out the tea, right? Like, whatever's going on at school, like, all the dramas or whatever, and a lot of times we end that conversation with what, you know, well, that sounds horrible or, oh, I can't even, what, that's, what about, you know, whatever. So instead, like, transitioning it to, all right, now we're going to pray for them because that's got to be hard. Like, if you're living through that, that's got to be hard. Um, and... You know, all kinds of things, things we don't agree with, but it's easy to just end with the conversation. But for me, like, kind of my thing has been, like, let's pray now. Let's just go ahead and do it. So my prayer for us as we start talking about prayer and we kind of dive into this is that God will open our eyes to where the opportunities are. So Travis, like, his opportunity has been in this, like, praying for a certain number of people, um, you know, and doing it in this categorized way. And mine has been just praying in the moment and not saying, I'll pray for you, but can I pray for you? Like, what is your thing? Like, what, where's the opportunity in your life? Because it's there and we share ours. And then when you find yours, you share yours with everyone, you know, and we'll start sparking our minds to to see the opportunities to pray. So I'm just going to pray that for us. God, thank you that the things that are impossible for people are possible with God. Thank you that that's true. And we want to commune with you that we know that in a way that you know it. God, I pray that we will know that our prayers are powerful. And that you respond to the cries of your children. I pray, God, that you will open our eyes to see. Just lay your hands on yourself and say, God, open my eyes to see opportunities to pray. Show us, God, windows in our current schedule, in our current circumstances, where we can pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. Come, God.